0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Amanawika Nena Nitsa E. Graves. <laughs> and that is all the Comanche that I have for you today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us on the oh. Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast. I am here with my co-host and friend, Mr. Jason Colvin. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I was going to try Comanche, but I have no chance. Yeah, it's it's all good. You went to the museum before you went to see the movie, so that is, that is quality enough. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to talk to you today as a special bonus episode about the new Predator movie called Prey. Jason and I just finished up with our summer of 1987 matchup of Predator versus RoboCop. And as a nice little coincidence, it seems to always happen with us, 35 years later they released the fifth installment for Predator, which is called Prey, and we both watched it and we both love it.
1: I barely knew that this was on, like this was not really on my radar at all. Right. And then we did RoboCop and Predator and it was like... There's a new Predator movie? What?
0: Yeah. I mean, in our research on Predator, I came across, oh, hey, they're making another one. It's due out in just a couple of weeks. I had no idea about it. And then even as I was like driving over, as we were doing one of the episodes, it pops up as a preview, and I'm like, oh, wait this actually looks really good. Like it was in the preview leads you in not letting you know what's going on until you're three quarters in and I could have hit skip ad, but I didn't. Right. I was like, this looks good. Right. And then all of a sudden, whenever the predator lifts the grizzly bear up in the air, I was like, Oh, this is it. Yeah. This is the new one. I really want to see it. And
1: man, I'm glad I did. Okay, so this is the fifth Predator movie. Yeah.
0: The first one came
1: out in 1987, as we've talked about, July yeah. of 1987. Yep. It was great. Yep. 80s
0: iconic. We both loved it. We discussed Predator and Robocop in our past two episodes. If this is your first time to listen to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, go back and check those out. If this is what you're listening to before you watch the movie Prey, I can tell you that. You don't have to watch the other movies, but you will be best served if you at least watch Part 1 and Part 2. Predator and Predator 2, both are key movies that have not necessarily Easter eggs, but lead-ins in this movie. I would call them Easter eggs, man. I, there are some
1: really, really cool throwbacks that I didn't get the first time through. Yeah. And when you you were telling me, like, hey, what what do you know about this? Or what's this thing? I was like,
0: what yeah i saw it before you did and you were like you you were engaged i think you're, oh, I you're love ready it. to yeah. see it so this is how much i was
1: into this movie okay barely registered on my radar and then you're like hey man predator movie coming out on hulu and i was like well crap i need to watch this yeah so i jumped on hulu i was on a you know Adults only, you know, weekend away with my wife. (laughs) Right. And I made her watch this because I was so excited to watch it. Well, and she's Native American as well, right? She's Cherokee. Yeah. And the Friday, so we did a, we did a two-nighter, right? Friday night, Saturday night, come back Sunday, you know. And on Friday in Oklahoma City, there is a, what they call the First Americans Museum. Yeah. And it's in downtown Oklahoma City. I've seen it for a while. I just, we had never visited and so we went on Friday afternoon. So my wife's Indian. Of course, my kids are Indian. And then I go to this museum. I was like primed for this movie. I didn't even know it at the time. But I was. Yeah. it got me ready, really ready to watch this movie.
0: Yeah, I am super glad that this coincided so nicely, Uh, we are about to give you a spoiler-free review and talk like we normally do on our podcasts about this movie. I'm going to tell you some things to know from prior movies so that you can be prepared for some of those throwbacks and those Easter eggs, but I'm not going to spoil anything. Before you get into the development story here, I was just going to
1: say, this is the fifth Predator movie. Yes. Okay? That means that three other Predator movies sucked. So here I am. Stuck in group two. Sequel to group one is stupider. <laughs> right? It doesn't necessarily mean that, but Predator Two, Predator versus Aliens, and then the other Predator versus Aliens, they all let me down. Right. Disappointed.
0: Well, uh, you had you also had Predators, you also had the Predator. Oh, that's right. So, like, I don't know about the aliens crossovers or if those are even considered. I think that the the five, if you will, are Predator, Predator Two, Predators. The, the Predator, Predator, which is we talked about in our last episode, is the one that Shane Black, who was Hawkins in the original and writer of Lethal Weapon, and his buddy from college who wrote RoboCop 3, they got together and they created The Predator, which did not do very well at all.
1: Not good. And it was
0: actually during that one that this one basically got
1: realized. So I love the 1987 version so much that yeah. I can't say no to any Predator sequel. Okay. (laughs) I can't say no, right? right. Yeah, no, I understand. So I I did see Predator 2 in the theater. I was pumped for Alien vs. Predator. I did see Predators. I did see The Predator. And I, to
0: varying degrees, was let down by all of them. Obviously, Predator 1 is the... the Favorite. It's right? the gold standard, yeah. And then it's kind of between Predator 2 and Predators as to which one is is finishes second amongst those the, both have moments, you know. Yeah, amongst the pre-prey movies. Okay, so our story begins. Dan Treckenberg. Yes. Is in 3rd grade when this movie comes out. He's born in born in 81. He's in 3rd grade and like me, he was not allowed to watch rated R movies and like me, he didn't get to watch it. One day he's going to a karate tournament with a bunch of 6th graders and they start talking about the movie and they start talking about the Billy fighting the Predator scene, you know? And the Billy cutting himself with a knife and then they tell him like they go and have this epic fight across this bridge that's going over a waterfall and he was like this sounds incredible and then finally when he's old enough to finally see the movie that scene's not in it yeah they made it up the mandela effect we talked about (laughs) right yeah so a bunch of sixth graders by overzealously telling what they (laughs) thought the story was to little dan trackenberg inadvertently set in motion the inception of this movie that is awesome. 35 years ago. 30-something years ago, yeah. That kill totally happens off-screen, off, off screen too. I mean, yeah, you hear Billy scream and that's it. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows you don't get to see the Billy fight. It's a disappointment. Everybody wanted to see the Billy fight, but they don't. But as long as we're throwing in the throwbacks and the Easter eggs, there is a moment, I won't tell you what happens, but... What happens to Billy right before he dies? There's a throwback to this in the movie. Gosh, are we not talking about the Easter eggs? Because that's what I really want to talk about. I tell you what, let's let's do this. We will save the Easter eggs until the end, and we'll say, okay, folks, we're not going to spoil it for you, but here are some Easter eggs to kind of keep an eye out for when you do watch the movie. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so young Dan... Trackenberg gets this idea of how awesome Predator is going to be. Ultimately, he sees it and is disappointed that the scene is missing. But he thinks, man, a Native American fighting the Predator sounds like a great story idea. And then he goes on to become a podcaster.
1: <laughs> How
0: awesome. Our he hero, is that. right? Yes. Yeah. So he was part of a few different podcast conceptions from quite a while back. He was a former host of geekdrome.com. He was a former host of The Totally Rad Show. And I sent you a video. I mean, it's it's guys in a small room in with bad film making horrible jokes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not high quality stuff, but it's just funny that somebody who started there is now making the what is arguably one of the best predator movies of all time.
1: Well, which I would say is one of the very reasons why this movie is so good is because it's made with love.
0: Yeah, and I got to I got to say I love doing podcasts because it allows us to dive in and learn about these people and where they come from, and it makes them real, and it gives me inspiration to go, hey, let's keep learning about this, and let's keep doing stuff so that we can be one of these guys someday.
1: This stuff will make you
0: a sexual
1: tyrannosaurus, just like
0: me. (laughs) So this movie geek like us finds his way into the real movie business. And a year after Amber Mid-Thunder is born, he gets his first real job in a real movie. He is the key grip <laughs> for Phantasm IV
1: yeah. Oblivion.
0: Wow. <laughs> if, if you don't remember Phantasm IV Oblivion, you're probably not alone. <laughs> but they did use the IV in the middle of Oblivion for their little... Roman numeral four. Eventually he directs his own short films. He does some commercials for Lexus and Nike and Coca-Cola. So he's kind of moving up the ladder. Uh, Does a episode for a TV series called Black Box TV. And then he directs this short, which is based on a video game called Portal. Okay. And the short is called Portal No Escape. And it's awesome i sent it to you it's this woman trapped in a room and she there's no dialogue she's trying to seems to have no memory of why she's there and this video on youtube has gotten 27 million views at this point right wow so it kind of starts opening some doors for him and he gets to to direct his first movie called 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Now, that name Cloverfield might be familiar to you. Yes. It is the second installment of the Cloverfield series. First Cloverfield movie was by Matt Reeves, who That's we right. talked about when we did our show on The Batman. Go check that one out. Right. 10 Cloverfield Lane. I haven't seen it yet. I've been trying to see it, but it's not available free yet, but it's well received. It's a 7.2 on IMDb. Saw the
1: first one, but I don't think I saw the second one. So
0: so I'm looking on IMDB. I see he's done an episode of Black Mirror. I've seen like two or three of those. Okay, I've seen that he's done an episode of The Boys. I watched the first one of those. I'm like, okay, let's see which one he did. The first one. He did the first one of the boys, (laughs) which blew my mind. I mean, dude, check out the first episode because it's fantastic. And then Black Mirror, one of the two episodes I saw, he did. And it is one that still haunts me to this day. It's like virtual reality that is connected to your brain at the brainstem in the back of your neck. Whole storyline there. It's frightening. It's awesome. Go check it out, right? That episode is episode two of season three, and it is called Playtest. Playtest. Terrifying and awesome. Okay. So in between directing those two TV episodes, he manages to get a hold of John Davis, who we talked about in our last episode, one of the producers for Predator. Right. All of the Predators. Right. Including the most recent one, The Predator. And so he and this guy named Patrick Aison, who has been a writer for TV, also did an episode of Jack Ryan, did an episode of Treadstone. But they are like, we've got this story idea. What do you think? And he says, I think it sounds fantastic. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute.
1: Just just for clarification. Yeah. So he contacted one of the original producers of the Predator movie yep. and just said, hey, I've got this idea. What do you think? Yeah. And that guy was like, sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, who knows how complicated it actually was to get a hold of him, but, I mean, he had had those directing credits under his belt. He had done two great TV episodes. He had done 10 Cloverfield Lane, which it's not that he's a nobody. He's got some mojo, if you will. Sure. But, honestly, looking at these, you're looking at a guy who's written a few TV episodes. You're looking at a guy who's done a couple of TV episodes and one movie, and you're going to entrust them with the Predator IP. That's a pretty big deal. But I guess the story was so good. I mean, not only did Davis buy in, but Emma Watts, who was at that time, the president of 20th century studios, she put it on the fast track. She's like, this is great. Let's get this done. done." Yeah. And so this was about 2018. So this four years ago, and they had been, they had started writing the story together in 2016. And so it gets on the fast track. Dan's going to direct, and they got to pick somebody to act in it. And the person that they pick is a young, early 20s girl named Amber Midthunder. She was incredible. I loved it. She makes this movie, and she has to make this movie. And she realized at the time, she's like, you know, this is not just a movie where i got to carry the movie, and it's going to just be a movie. This is the first time that you have got a... Indigenous woman, not only as the main character, but the main character in a movie that is almost exclusively Indigenous people. It's about them. Right. And so that's a lot of weight for her to carry, but she, I mean... She does a fantastic job in this movie. She is so good. She's so communicative. I mean, if you just watch the trailer, if you just watch the trailer, and you look at her and see the fear in her face as the predator lifts the grizzly bear above his head, and then you think, she's not actually looking at anything.
1: Right. This is
0: all just acting. You're like, oh my gosh, she's so good so expressive very skilled physically and another interesting thing about this to me is they non-sexualized her as much as you could possibly do in this movie like there's virtually no skin there's far more skin from the male characters than there is from her and it's not tight-fitting clothes it's all very true to the time period and not immodest in any way shape or form watching her do this role She's like
1: watching a woman athlete play soccer or something like that. Yeah. She's sweaty and she's dirty and muddy and grassy. And you look at her and you think, that's a beautiful woman yeah. who's very sweaty and gross and dirty. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. She's Native American. She's on the rolls for Fort Peck Indian Reserve out of Montana, which is a Lakota tribe. Okay her dad has been in a ton of stuff his name is David mid Thunder um, he's was in Comanche Moon he was in Longmire which she was also in as a little kid uh, Westworld hostiles he's been in a ton of stuff and then her mother is a casting director who has been an actor before but she has been she's been nominated for an Emmy and an aritos nomination for her. Casting work. She casted Captain Fantastic. Her name is Angelique Midthunder, but it's in the blood of this girl. And she, what you probably, if you've seen her before, you've probably seen her in either Legion, where she's been in about 27 different episodes, or Roswell, New Mexico. She was also in Hell or High Water, but. If there's a breakout role, this is it. She's got a very Sigourney Weaver type of quality.
1: I I think there's a lot of aliens feel with this, you know? Yeah, I mean, she's... She's the underdog. I mean, she is the underdog, but she's not a dominating presence. She's
0: like the little sister who will not be denied. And by the way, she has got a lot of different cultures in her heritage. Okay. Mid-Thunder, although it... Does sound Native American? Yes. It's actually Norwegian. It it was originally Mid-Thun.
1: Wow. Now that... Crazy, right? Shocks me. Yes. By the way, Mm -hmm. my wife, as you know, is Cherokee, which we talked about, uh, really enjoyed the performance of this girl as well.
0: She does an amazing job. So let's talk about some of the other actors in the movie, okay? Okay. There's about five of them so <laughs> should be a short talk,
1: right <laughs> are we talking about the dog first or are we waiting on the dog so the dog is great the dog is awesome
0: here is the shocking thing about the dog okay normally you have a trained dog that they bring to set <laughs> right that's not the way it worked with this one so they they deliberately found a dog that looked like what a comanche indian would have as their dog okay and rescued that dog okay and then trained it for two months <laughs> like, that's it. Like, uh-huh. they, they said, okay, we need a dog for the movie. We don't like any of the trained dogs for this movie, so we're going to go find a dog, rescue it, and train it ourselves. Well, as I understand it, there's a part in the movie where the dog runs off, and she's like, where are you going? <laughs> right. That was legit. Like, that yes. really happened at that moment. Yeah, it actually probably happened pretty frequently. <laughs> um, and, you know, they say don't work with kids or animals. There's a reason for that. But when the dog is on, the dog is really on. I mean, I'm, I bought in. And as you watch the movie, as you can expect, you're, you're constantly like, oh, my gosh, is something going to happen to the dog? Right. You, because that's what always happens when, you're ha- when you have a thrill horror movie, you've, you're like, oh, what's going to happen with the dog? I was prepping myself. I was like,
1: if this predator pulls the spine out of this dog,
0: <laughs> I'm going to have a problem. Right, right. Well, don't spoil it. Okay. Okay, so Amber mid is playing Nardu. Naru. N-A-R-U is pronounced Nardu. You say so. <laughs> I do. Okay. You watch the movie, they, and then we have. It sounds like they roll that R a little bit. That's the sound. Is that that follow-up D? There's, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So Nardu, and then we have for her brother Tabe. Uh huh. We have Dakota Beavers. Yes. This is his acting debut, and I think he does a great job for having no experience whatsoever. Just to kind of expand on that a little bit. Yeah. He has this air about him without words. Yes.
1: This sense of confidence, this sense of superiority of an older brother. But he's actually three years younger than her, as I understand it. Yeah, that's right. So.
0: We should talk about the Predator.
1: Dane DiLiego.
0: You want to do that one again?
1: (laughs) (laughs) As you can tell, I'm a
0: linguist. Right. Dane DiLiego. Dane Dane DiLiego. He's from Massachusetts. (laughs) So who knows how they pronounce it up there. His dad is actually Italian, but he was, as you can imagine, a basketball player. Uh-huh. Played professionally over in Italy and Israel, I believe. Okay. And then decided to come back and be an actor. He, he, had, he had a YouTube series a few years ago called Adventure Monday where he would go and, like, do – it was like a culinary show where he was visiting food producers. And one of his best-received episodes was the 10 best taco trucks in L.A. that you've never heard of. Wow. I I really want to go check those out. I'd like
1: out. to hang out with this guy. Yeah. Now, the original Predator, Kevin Peter Hall. Also a
0: basketball player.
1: He was seven foot two. Right. Dane DeLiergrove. De 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 <laughs>
0: You wanna do it again? Not really.
1: <laughs> Dandelier Grow. All right. He was six foot nine. Yeah. Tiny. So, I know. Little right? bitty guy. Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> he does a good job, man. He he looks imposing
0: to me. Okay. So here's the thing with him, right? Yeah. The mask, the head piece that he had to wear as the actor. Yes. Um they they wanted a slimmer actor. He's a a slimmer guy. He's more spelt, more like swimmer, okay. right? Because you they were getting a little top heavy. They looked a little bobbleheady right. with our you know Rastafarian monster, right? Sure. sure. Well, so he, they they used <laughs> heady Yes, they used practical effects still on this, which is great. I'm I. We are all for practical effects. Exactly, but. The practical effects were all electronics that were inside of his headpiece. And they were so big that he literally had to look at his feet the entire time that he was performing. Oh, wow. So everything that you see him do, you know, once you go back and watch the movie for the second time, everything you see him do, you're going, oh, my gosh, how did this guy do this without being able to see? Like, he told he told to go to Beavers at some point during their fight sequence. He's like, listen, man, I'm just going to swing and you just got to get <laughs> out of the way. Okay, you just got to get out of the way. <laughs> I feel
1: like there's one guy we need to mention as well. Yeah.
0: Bennett Taylor plays Raphael Andolini. Yes. Okay. Don't say any more than that. Ah! Yes. That's all we'll say. He does a great job. I think he does a great job. Yeah. Did you have more to say? I have tons more to say about him, but I'm not going to. You're going to save it until the end so that we can give people a little bit of a spoiler warning, right? Right. Okay. All right. right. So, we've got Amber Mid-Thunder, we've got Dakota Beavers, we've got Dane Grove <laughs> we've got Coco the dog, and those are the key actors in the movie, right? Right, right. So, we've got this together. They had one woman that they used in the writing of the script who passed away in the process to help them keep this as authentically Comanche as they could, right? Okay. And then they had another woman named Jane Myers who has been a production consultant for many Native American movies, and she was key in this one. And the first thing that she said when she read the script was, there are no horses? Yeah. And they were like, "Uh, no. She's like, you cannot have a Comanche tribe and no horses. There uh-huh. have to be horses. Okay. And there are some beautiful horses in this one. Paint horses, which you would expect. And there is a great horse riding scene, sequence. They delivered. She said, This needs to happen, and they delivered.
1: That's interesting. That's a good insight right there. Yeah. And there was even a good little sort of mention in the movie about mm-hmm. that where he's like, I gotta get me a horse.
0: So, Just to kind of dive into what they were doing with this movie. You see at the beginning, the movie takes place in 1719. Right. Movies that have come out have been very influential. Dan Trachtenberg said that Fury Road was one of the movies that he said, wow, you can almost have an entire movie that is telling the story with action only. And so he was kind of looking for that in this storyline. Let's tell a story that you don't need a whole bunch of dialogue. And there's not a whole bunch in right. this one, right? Right. But another movie that was super influential for a lot of people is a movie called Searchers. And in that movie, it's a John Wayne movie. The Searchers? Yeah. The Searchers, yeah. It does not paint the Native Americans in a good light at all, right? It's horrible. huh. If you see the movie there are some key moments from the searchers just cinematically speaking that they borrowed from okay and and made their own and i'm just that's all i'm going to say about that but if okay. you if you're familiar with the searchers and it's cinematic awesome this john ford movie yeah fantastically shot and done but they they borrow some ideas from there and make it their own and do a fantastic job with it
1: Let me just say this about the the scenery and kind of the setting of this movie. Yeah. It's gorgeous.
0: Yeah, our cinematographer for this one is a guy named Jeff Cutter. Um, and Jeff has done a ton of movies, ton of movies. He worked with Dan on uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane and some of the TV episodes that he did. He's made a beautiful movie with this one, right? It, it I mean, really is. I told you, I'm like watching this movie and I'm thinking, somebody said... Last of the Mohicans meets Predator, and somebody else said, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. I hear that, and I'm going to like, what? Yeah. But, man, they nailed it.
1: You know, this movie was shot in Calgary.
0: Yeah. And you really feel like,
1: that's like a character in the movie. The the mountains and the, the streams and the trees and all this stuff plays a big part in what's happening.
0: It is absolutely
1: gorgeous. I watched it on a laptop.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I and watched I'm it like, on a big TV.
1: Did you? I watched it on a laptop, and I'm like, what are we doing here? This needs to be on the big screen. Why did this not get a big screen? After what Maverick did? Yeah. A- after what Maverick did at the theater, this totally, they should have been like, we got to get this on the big screen. People will go see nostalgic
0: movies that are good. Yes. I, I don't know if there has been any push to have them display this on a full IMAX big screen, but if they did, I'd go watch it. I feel like they've got to. Okay, so they had the actors go through four weeks of weapons training for this, which is interesting because they had the other actors in the original Predator go through training as well. That's true. Entirely different type I of weapons so, training, yeah. right? You don't have any Gatlin guns with J- Jesse the Body Ventura carrying <laughs> them around. <laughs> right.
1: Just yeah. to comment on that. yeah.
0: If you handed me a modern gun, I
1: could figure out how to shoot it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I could figure out where the safety is. I could figure out how to load it, fire it. You give me a flintlock, I'm I'm like, I don't know
0: how to, how does this thing work? Exactly. Okay, so they've got their script, they've got their money, they've got the fast track from the studio, they've got a producer who knows the Comanche ways, who's guiding them through this process, and so they are ready to go up to Canada to shoot the movie. They shoot it in... 63 days? Yeah,
1: it was shot last
0: summer. Yeah, which to me, I'm, I'm just thinking, that seems really fast. To the actors, it was like, I don't think I'm ever going to leave this place. Because oh. you got to keep in mind, they're out in the wilderness every day shooting this stuff. Yep. Their day-to-day job is going out in the cold Canada mountains and shooting this stuff and... Not to get into spoilers, there's some scenes that are yucky. You don't want to be doing what they're doing in this scene, and certainly not for day after day after day. I want to talk about the
1: yucky bog, but we'll save that for We'll spoilers. save that for spoiler time, right? Okay. okay. So, let's compare that to Maverick for just a second. Okay. Yeah. This movie was shot in... Summer of 2021, released in summer of 2022. Maverick was shot 2018. This was a great movie, but this is made post 2020, post pandemic.
0: Interestingly, like the Batman, they did have to communicate with Dane through his headpiece. You know, on the as the Predator talking to him in his ear, same uh-huh. type of thing. I got interesting story for that. So, okay, so, <laughs> this won't spoil anything. Okay. Okay, so the, at some point they're shooting a scene, and he's, they've been shooting days in and days out, and he said, and I noticed, you know, I always hear the mechanics of the headpiece going on. I hear the electric current this going on. Yeah, and he says, and then they'll say cut, and then uh, the noise stops, right? And so this time I'm shooting this scene, and all of a sudden the noise in the headpiece stops, But they haven't said cut yet. And I'm like, huh, okay, well, I'll just keep going. And then eventually they yell cut. And he's like, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm getting stung. like, there are bees in here? What's going on? And all of a sudden, I hear in the headpiece, is he on fire? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he had, it was his fault. He says, my fault. He goes, the way that I had thrown the punch over and over again i had rubbed the wires raw and literally my headpiece caught on fire and i'm bolted in
1: oh yeah so
0: they're running over there trying to unbolt him no significant burns occurred but wow at, at one point the the monster was on fire <laughs> the shark is not working <laughs> right. the predator is on fire <laughs> could you imagine hearing that is he on fire <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome Okay, so they make the movie. Yep, they release it. The reception is fantastic. It, I, I haven't heard anybody say a negative word, word about it.
1: It's it's somewhere in the nines on Rotten Tomatoes. It's ninety three percent. Yeah, you know something like that.
0: Without spoiling it, I can t- I can tell you all that they went back to the original formula. They went back to this is an action movie that becomes a thriller horror movie, right? It's, right it's good.
1: Well, let's go back it's to what you originally said. Simple story. The original Predator was like the Dirty Dozen collides with the movie Alien, right? Yes. So you have this one story that's happening, and then all of a sudden it's invaded by this alien. Yeah. It really is like Dances with Wolves, and it collides with an alien. I mean, it's what an interesting idea. Yeah. And here we are. Right. Instead of Aliens versus Predator Requiem, which is Total
0: garbage, but okay. Right. Okay. So they had these guys at Comic-Con. They showed this at Comic-Con last month in July. Okay. Um, And then they had them as a panel after the movie. Those people got to see it on the big screen. And so at some point they ask all of the actors who their favorite characters were from the original Predator. Okay. And so, of course, Amber Midthunder says, Dutch. Of course. And, of course, Dakota Beavers says, Billy. Of course. And then Dane DiLarrego says, I like the helicopter pilot. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And if you don't get that joke, go back and check out our previous episodes on the Predator to hear yes. why that's funny, right? That's,
1: that's brilliant.
0: And then Jane Myers, the producer, said, I like the guy who told dirty jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkins. Why'd you say that twice? I didn't. There's an echo.
1: <laughs> Oh, my God. Hey, let's talk real quick about the CGI. Okay. Okay. So, first of all, right out of the gate, you and I are practical effects guys. Yes. Even if they look a little hokey, we prefer practical effects. To CGI, absolutely. To CGI. Yeah. They did use CGI. All of the animals in this movie are
0: CGI. Well, they did a neat thing. And I think if you're going to have CGI, it should be practical, followed by CGI, followed by practical and i think they did a really good job of that with the animals i think there's some real animal footage in here and there's some some cgi that you can say uh that's cgi but they do it so quickly and they put in real footage to sandwich it together that it's it's pretty well done it's not perfectly done but it's pretty well done what do you think
1: well i think they did a very good job and it's it's not the entire focus of the movie, right? Right. And so, the you know, there's a wolf and then there's a rabbit and there's a mountain lion. Um, they all look about as good as it can look. Yeah. You know? There's a grizzly bear. And then, yeah, how could you forget the bear? Right. Um, and of course, the predator. Yeah, now the predator. They there's... use the invisibility cloak and do
0: some other stuff. Like and that's that. fine. I mean, yeah. that looks computerized. It looks great, yeah. But it's supposed to look computerized. It's okay, right? That one is the Predator effects are flawless. There, <sighs> There is no point that I went, uh, when I was watching the Predator stuff. I kind of had that moment with the mountain lion, and I kind of had that moment with the grizzly bear. Right. Um, but definitely, as far as the whole is concerned, minor, minor criticisms. Looks good. Yeah, and but the, yeah, the predator himself—they kept it practical, and then the the invisibility, which you expect, it it looks on point. Yeah. So, interestingly, they had initially planned for this movie to be completely in Comanche. I know, right? I mean, what? Yeah, that and that would have been cool. I mean, I I love the passion, which was all in you know Good ancient point. Aramaic. I mean, that's. <laughs> That's hard. That did right? not detract from the enjoyment of that movie. Right. I have not checked out the Comanche version yet, but ultimately they made the decision, we're going to shoot this in English. And then they toyed with an idea that they called the Hunt for Rot October question.
1: Yeah. So at the beginning of Hunt for Rot- October, all the Russian characters speak in Russian Yeah. and they get to a point in the movie and then they switch to English. Yeah. But it's good for the viewer because you understand these guys are Russian. They're talking Russian to each other. Yep. I get all that. They switched to English to help me. Thank you very much. And th- the producers of this movie were like, well, maybe we could do the Hunt for Red October thing.
0: Yeah. Well, what they ultimately decided was, no, we're going to film the whole thing in English except for the French-speaking parts. Mm-hmm. Did you have subtitles for the French? No. Okay, so and, but I, I thought
1: that was good.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed not knowing what they were saying because it put me in the position of the character that they wouldn't know what they were saying. Like you were you were having to guess by the action of the movie what those guys were talking about. Apparently, if you put the I think if you put the English subtitles on, it will translate the really? French into English. Yes. Okay. I plan to watch it again and this is what I was going to get to. They shot it in English, but then they had all of the actors come back and do voiceover work in Comanche so that you can watch the entire thing in the Comanche language. I do know a couple of things. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's an
1: homage to the original Predator movie. Uh If you'll remember, when Pancho is speaking Spanish to Ana in the jungle, you don't get any subtitles there or any translation. No, that's true. He's, you know... He's speaking to her aggressively, and you understand that he's pumping her for information, but I don't understand what he's saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then he translates and basically says. He says, well, she says, the
1: jungle, it came alive, and it took him. And Carl Weathers says, that's not what she said. Well, we, as the audience, I'm like, well, what did she say? Right, right. We never really get that answer. Yeah. Unless you speak Spanish, you really don't understand what she's saying. So I think that that's an an homage to the original Predator. They're speaking French. We don't understand. We understand what's going on, Mm -hmm. but we don't understand the words that are coming out of their mouth, so to speak.
0: Right. So the original idea that they had for the soundtrack for this movie was much more subdued and kind of ethereal than what they got. Um, They had... H- have you seen Sicario? Uh, yes. So it's, it's it's they had that as an idea, very minimalist kind of soundtrack to go along with this movie, but I'm so glad that that's not what they did. They ended up getting a composer named Sarah Satchner. Okay. She is not a big time movie composer. Okay. Um, She has worked with Brian Tyler on Transformers, which is one of my... I I have a couple of those songs in my workout playlist. I love Brian Tyler's Transformers soundtrack. Um, And she's done arrangements for Iron Man 3, and The Expendables 2, and Now You See Me. So she's got some experience in the movie field. But where her main composing experience is, is with video games. And she has done Call of Duty, several of them, you know, like Modern Warfare and Origins. And she has done the Assassin's Creed soundtrack, which is, I mean, it's awesome. But the music in this, I mean, it did a perfect job of taking the sound of like The blast Mohicans, which is a fantastic soundtrack and then bringing in the style of the original Predator by Alan Silvestri and kind of letting you like leading you in that hey I'm about to hear it I'm about to hear the Silvestri music but really just leading with that Last of the Mohicans style of music and of course it's got her own you know her own special Sarah Sachner feel to it it is a great soundtrack. I've listened to it from beginning to end. It's 40, It's over 45 minutes of music. I mean, that's that's an incredible feat to accomplish in such a short amount of time that she had, but it it helps make this movie as good as it is. Listen, this movie, as I <laughs> was trying to allude to earlier, you have got a bunch of people that you would think, uh eh, they're going to put out a, a B movie, because it's not any well known names at all. The writer's not. The director's not. The composer is not. They are all people who are working the main character in the movie. The actress is not a super well known name. But they I gotta say, they've got to be our up and comers. They from this I see this as the breakout for all of those folks that they have big things in store for them. Never heard of any of these people? Of course, I'd
1: never heard of anybody when I went to see Star Wars for the first time.
0: Exactly. So yeah, it's like they said. Uh, you know that Mark Hamill had never seen a single Star Wars movie before he made a new hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, can we? Can we? Oh, can we talk? About okay. All right. All right. All right. So, dear listener, we've we've said this is going to be spoiler free, and we've done our best to. Keep it spoiler-free, but right now we're going to start talking Easter eggs, and we may let some spoilers slip out. We'll try not to, but I'm going to tell you there are some things that if you know it before you go and watch the movie, you will appreciate it when it comes up in the movie, starting with the gun. The gun.
1: The gun. The, okay. So you sent this to me. I didn't catch it the first time. Yep. I had seen Predator 2. mm mm-hmm. But at the very end of Predator 2, Danny Glover's character, Mike, I can't remember his last name, uh-huh. Mike defeats the Predator. On his own ship. On his own ship. Yes. With his Predator's buddies hanging around. Yeah, watching
0: in silence apparently. Watching in silence. And when he defeats that Predator, uh-huh. they give him a gift. yeah. Before that scene happens, as he gets on the ship, this is the memorable moment where you see the skulls. Like they've got the—he's got the collection of skulls, including yes. human skulls, and also including a xenomorph the skull. Freaking
1: xenomorph skull. Yes, Which, and it's that not, was mind blowing. It's the time. not
0: subtle at all. It is not remotely subtle. So it's it, the Predator people from Predator Two were saying, yeah predator and alien fought and predator won and now has alien skull which doesn't make any sense anyway because it's a freaking exoskeleton but well, whatever for the for the record that's the coolest moment of all the alien predator movies <laughs> so after he ultimately defeats the predator other predators show up and it's this little panic moment of okay I, I right you know they de-cloak. About my, yeah I about killed myself fighting one and now here's five in front of me right, right? yep But it turns out they're just showing up to take their fallen comrade away and they acknowledge him as like a worthy opponent. That's right. It's like they respect him. And out of respect, one of them tosses him a pistol that has engraved on it. Raphael Adelini. And it says 1715 on it. 1715. Right. As a reminder, the very beginning of Prey, it tells you location, location and date, and the date is 1719. Pretty close. Yeah. So keep that in mind. <laughs> keep that scene in mind as you watch this movie, because that is absolutely the biggest one that you have on this one. Okay, so a couple of throwbacks, you know, just so that you know, from Predator 1, the line, if it bleeds, we can kill it. When they dropped that, I stood up. I was like, what? Oh, my. Slow clap. (laughs) Let's go. Right. I mean, it's this wonderful moment where she's she's talking to him, trying to tell her brother about this thing that they've never encountered before. And she's like, I don't think that you can kill this thing. And he says, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Yep.
1: And And the thing is about that line, Mm -hmm. when you're watching the movie, if you've never seen the original Predator movie, it makes total sense. It absolutely fits the moment. It's a great line. But if you've seen and are familiar with Predator 1987, you're like, if it bleeds, we can kill it. You know, I'm like, there's that line right there.
0: Yep. So there are a few more lines like that that you need to be aware of from Predator 1. Do it. Do it now. Do it. Remember that line. Do it now. Remember the mud From Predator 1. That is a key factor as well. Yep. The cut chest. When Billy cuts his chest, that is a key scene. Sonny Lanham does that. I mean, it's a very memorable, I'm about to go sacrifice myself fighting this guy if I have to. And he cuts his chest, and that is a key moment in this movie as well. Yes. (laughs) Which, as we know, I mean, it was the inspiration for the story. It's crazy. Back when Dan Trackenberg was a little kid. Right. And then finally, finally bill duke can't get left out right and it's not a line it's a yeah it's there too baby and they do they do a great job with plugging those every single one of those things in they they had to ask the question over and over like how much do we want to do sure and dan trackenberg said we even considered having a horse named chopper (laughs) great but he was like that would have been too far yeah that would have been pushing it too far
1: well you know there's one other thing i I think there's some other things that they do um there's a moment where she picks up a cigar
0: uh-huh yeah that
1: one of the trappers has smoked and i think that might be a homage to dutch maybe
0: yep um in this one the predator is wearing a different face mask it is not mm -hmm. the um metal mask that you've seen in the other movies it is a more like a bone mask. I saw somebody. I think it was on IMDb. Refer to it as the river ghost from Predators. It Comes from one of the animals in Predators. When yeah. I looked at that, I don't see the similarity. I I don't know if I agree with them on that one. Okay, anything. but it's got it. It is definitely more bony. It almost looks like a, a tortoise shell, um, except oblong. Right. Um, but despite the fact that it is. More primitive looking, it still has the technology. You still have the lasers. Yes, he doesn't have the little sh- the shoulder cannon,
1: right? That he has, but they does. You know the three red dots. You know, it, which is interesting because in 1987, those guys understand what lasers are and how you know those are you know aiming devices. And when the, when the the Comanche people in fir- first come into contact with it, they're like. What is this weird red dot on her chest? You right. know, they have it's no idea what it absolute is. Absolute
0: mystery. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, okay. And then I, I mentioned the mud, the mud pit. There is a key scene, which she's in the mud pit. And if you see it being a predator fan, you're like, okay, I know what this is going to come up later. Well, it does come up later, but they they maneuver it very well to where you're surprised with how it gets it ends up getting used. Um, and she said. Uh, that was the worst part of filming because <laughs> that mud pit, the peat moss mud pit, yes. smelled horrible. Apparently, however, it did not smell bad until humans got in it. So it was actually the something in the human skin that made it smell bad. But Dane DeLiegros was like, okay, imagine raw human sewage <laughs> multiplied by 10, and then you have a fraction of how bad that stuff smelled. Wow. So she had to do that. I mean, it's for several like days. All day, yeah. yeah. several days of filming to get that. And she's in it up to her ears. I will tell you this
1: that scene where she's got that tomahawk,
0: mm-hmm.
1: she's got a tomahawk at the, and she's got it roped to her wrist. Yeah. And she is like sinking in quicksand, which, you know, as a 70s kid, we were always worried about that. Yeah. It's the Treyu and the never ending story. That's exactly straight right. out of that. And she is going down and yeah. she realizes I'm in trouble.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. Anything you you love the movie? Correct. Yes, I did. Okay. Anything that you didn't like about the movie? Um no.
1: I got no problems with it. No complaints. No complaints. I think the CGI could have been a little bit better.
0: Uh-huh.
1: No, I got no complaints. I thought it was excellent. Yeah. I, 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 I think mean, it was
0: like Maverick. I mean, what am I going to complain about on Maverick? It it wasn't Top Gun? Well, I mean, crap. It was it was great. Right. Well, and I still think that, that Maverick was better than Top Gun, and I think that we've had kind of a resounding – a whole lot of people are on my same page on that one. I realize you can't get past the nostalgia, but – I'm very nostalgic. Right. Um, but I agree with you. I think that there were there were moments where the CGI took me out of the moment because it was like, eh, that doesn't look like a real lion right, right. now. But they were so small and so it happened so fast that it didn't have time to mess the movie up for me. And then, as I said, Amber Mid Thunder as an actor is so good that when she's in a scene with other actors, I couldn't help but think uh, they're really not up to her level. They're not bad actors; they're just not sell on the scene as much as she was. Yeah. But overall. Uh, those, those are minor, 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 minor criticisms. This is a fantastic movie. And I'll present you with the question, just like I did with Top Gun Maverick. Are you picking this movie, or are you picking original Predator? Okay, so this is
1: an easy call for me. Because I am so nostalgic, it's going to take a lot to, you know, dissuade me from Arnold's bulging biceps. So I am going with the 1987 version as the first overall Predator. I do love that movie so much. But this was really, really good. And it's a close second. It Far, far better. It's far better than Predator 2 or in the Predator or Predators, any of those other ones. Predator 2 has some moments that are pretty good, but it is not even close to this one. So this is clearly the second best out of all those movies.
0: Yeah. Well, as you can expect, since I didn't pick Predator in our previous matchup yeah. and I'm obviously gushing over this movie, I definitely pick this one over the original wow. Predator. I think this wow. is I think this is a far better movie. I enjoyed watching Predator, it's fun, it's popcorn. This movie had me more engaged, more concerned for the characters. I thought it was much more beautiful. I mean it's just gorgeous. The, the All of the cinematography and the acting is on point. The guys in Predator were good actors. This young actress in this movie is, a, she's great. She is great. She did a great job. Yeah. Interesting. Love it. Okay. Okay. Fans, tell us your opinion. Prey or Predator. Hit us up on Twitter, at Shirley Podcast. Right. On Facebook, at Shirley Podcast. Or if you want to email us, you can hit us up at ShirleyPodcast at gmail.com. Hey,
1: check us out on Patreon. We've got a cool Patreon page. We've got bonus episodes over there. We've got, uh, we're gonna ready to record our fourth, third Patreon? Third. We're getting ready to record our third Patreon episode today. It's one-hit wonders of the 80s and 90s, and it's really cool. Today we're doing Nothing Compares
0: to You by Sinead O'Connor, which is a fantastic song. Yeah. Okay, guys, thanks so much. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye, guys.
1: Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert!
0: Starting with the gun, the gun, the gun.
1: Okay, and out of respect, one of them tosses him a pistol okay. that has engraved on it. Now we can't tell him what happens. Can't t- can't discuss it. Do you really want to discuss it? Yes. Okay, then go ahead. Well, okay. I mean, obviously, if you know that going in, uh-huh. Amber Mid Thunder, Naru, she has to arm herself, and the guy has to teach her how to use this flintlock pistol, and that is the exact same pistol that the Predator gives to Danny Glover's character in Predator 2.
0: Right. The question is, okay, wait a minute. If she has the gun, right? how, how do the Predators, predators get yeah. the gun? Well, okay, I told you, you watch the end credits... And there's an animation that's going on, and the animation is like a kind of Native American style cartoon type of thing. Stick figures reenacting the entire movie from beginning to end, right? Scene by scene, a storyboard (laughs) of the movie. And then you get to the end, and unlike the end of the movie, there's a little bit more. And the little bit more is three spaceships show up in the sky. So... I think that this doesn't mean that the you know the predators come to wipe out the tribe. I think it's going to be the same. It's the same as Predator Two. They show up and take their fallen comrade away. They acknowledge her as a worthy opponent, and maybe she decides at that point to hand the flintlock pistol to we'll go with the that. predators. I think that's got it. To- so then the other question, of course, is if I'm right, if they determine that she's a worthy opponent, and we know that Danny Glover got a gift for his worthiness. Yes. What gift did she get? What did she get? I don't know. That's a great. That that may be the thing that leads us into our you know next installment in the series, which this movie resurrects, in my opinion. Okay, that's
1: really cool. Oh.